Hello and welcome to this edition of Secure Networks, the Index Packet Forensic Files with your host, Michael Morris. This week's special guest is Scott Register, VP of Security Solutions for Keysight Technologies. Scott, first of all, thank you for joining. Welcome. It's my pleasure. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Uh, sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Good to see you virtually again. Since yes. Obviously, we won't be bumping in each other uh, like at trade shows or anything nope. anytime soon. That doesn't seem to be uh, in the offing. Um, so I run the security solutions group here at Keysight, and we're focused on a pretty broad spectrum of security applications, right? We do everything from 5G to automotive to um, IoT and especially OT devices. And of course, uh, you know, we have a, a through Breaking Point and Ixia, which is where I came from, uh, we've got a really strong uh, background in things like uh, network security testing, right? Whether mm -hmm. it's service provider networks reused by basically every security manufacturer, you know, when they're developing and testing products for their release. So, uh, so basically, I, I manage uh, that team and help to bring new, you know, new products to market uh, and uh, in the security field sort of writ large across that. Scott, that background is exactly why I was hoping to get some of your insights for our listeners. Um, obviously, with the pandemic, you and I both here on uh, video conferencing, not, not getting out of our house, home offices. Um, massive changes going on in IT security space with the major shift yeah. to remote workers. What are you seeing as some of the biggest challenges organizations are facing and what are you seeing them do to solve it? Well, there, there's certainly the in the the sort of rush to remote um, that, that presented a lot of of sudden challenges for IT departments and like SecOps teams that they weren't necessarily prepared for, right? Like almost everyone had some remote access capability. Mm -hmm. um, not everyone, but but almost uh, almost every organization had had that. But maybe it was for five or ten percent. Uh, of employees, right? And suddenly you've got 100% of, uh, of people. And that's a, that's a huge difference, right? One of my, actually one of my favorite uh, pictures that, that I like to, to share, uh, I have a very good friend who's a bond trader, right? And uh, so he normally works on a trading floor, right? They didn't have remote access set up. I mean, they might've had some like small token thing, but every day they come into a trading floor and trading starts at whatever it is, you know, uh, like 8 a.m. and then it runs till five and then everybody goes home, right? I mean, he didn't have a laptop. No one, no one in the group had any kind of remote capability. <laughs> and now like, he's got this, uh, this like crazy setup, this, you know, the 32 inch monitors and the Bloomberg terminal, you know, <laughs> keyboard and all that stuff that they're having to support, right? So they've got to support like, so they're supporting like bond trading and, you know, video conferencing and all this stuff for the, this huge group of people. And so think about the, the security, right? I mean, there's huge security implications, right? If you know, like if someone can see, you know, get insight into financial transactions before they hit, like that's a big right. deal. And so you've got to support all of those security requirements. But at the same time, They've got, you know, they've got latency concerns, they're doing video conferencing, they're doing all that. And so the, those IT teams, who I'm sure are like, you know, quite capable, they're suddenly having to uh, confront this new set of, of challenges, right? How do you give, you know, like dramatically, massively upscale that remote access capability with really high performance, really low latency, 
and still be very, very secure, right? And there's all these, all, all sorts of trade-offs that, that you have mm -hmm. to consider there. And so, you know, we've certainly seen, I mean, that that's sort of an extreme example, but we've seen lots of, of cases where our customers, you know, they, they were suddenly confronted with this challenge and, and there's, you know, there's lots of stuff that kind of goes along with that. So just in the last few months, that's one of the biggest sort of single things that, that, uh, that we've seen. Mm -hmm. Coupled, of course, with the fact that there's nobody in your data center or wherever often to go make physical changes, right? And so you're having right. to do all this stuff sort of uh, remotely. And it's, a, it's certainly a, it's a very different world, right? Well, and you have a unique perspective of it uh, with, with your guys' business, right? Because, you know, Keysight's providing solutions both in the development and testing side, as well as on the monitoring side. What are you seeing common or different uh, between those segments across the industry? Well, uh, so obviously the, uh, the testing, you know, the, the thought of really serious, large scale, remote access, kind of uh, scalability testing, as well as security testing. I mean, that's a big change. I mean, people sort of knew of the concept, but I mean, there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of people who, who frankly said, oh, I expect about, you know, whatever it is, 50 remote users. And so I'll buy the 50 user VPN license on my, my firewall. Mm -hmm. And like, and I'm fine. I like problem solved and, and, and that's it. Um, and now, so just, let's just think about the capacity part, right? We actually offer a service now because we've got, you know, we've been doing SSL testing since, you know, gosh, 2010 at least. Right. I mean, so we, we've been, you know, that that's been part of our business. Uh, but in, traditionally, we were doing it sort of off of hardware platforms. Right. And 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 typically used by equipment manufacturers. Now, uh, so now we have a cloud based service where you can just, you know, kind of sign up and we can do um, remote access testing. So if you've got any popular, you know, remote access gateway, Cisco or Pan or, or whoever, Juniper, you know, we can do scalability testing and latency testing with sort of cloud-based clients and let you know, okay, in, re in real life, how many users can you support? What's the sign-on latency? What's the, you know, what's the latency? Will, can you support um, voice over IP calls, right? With, with reasonable performance, things like that. So, and that, that had just never occurred to people uh, in the past. So like that, that's, that's one of the big things on, the, on the, the performance side of testing. On the security side, there are, a lot of certainly like the bad guys are trying to take advantage of kind of what, what's going on, right? And we've seen a lot of kind of COVID specific attacks that, and like for, for example, there, there are kind of two categories. One is um, like information, right? You, you, if you want an employee to open an email, a good, you know, spoofed email that you can send, you know, you, you send out an email that looks like it's from HR, it's from someone, it's, you know, important COVID update for employees, something like that, right? People are going to open that, right? They, they, they just are. And so that, that's kind of a convenient um, cover. We've also seen a lot of, uh, a lot of people, kind of bad actors, taking advantage of weaker IoT devices, right? I mean, not to pick on like Belkin, but just for example, like Belkin spark plugs. I mean, there's kind of a well-known like exploit with that, but a lot of people have those and similar devices in their house. And so now you've got all these remote users at home on networks where 
maybe they have like, you know, th their kids, you know, you've got teenagers who are playing games and doing like, God knows what, God knows, who, who knows what's on like their laptops, right? And then you've got these IoT devices, whether it's smart plugs, televisions, whatever it is. And now, like, since you've, you know, we've all talked about, oh, the perimeter is going away and has gone away. But now your perimeter really is like full time in people's homes, right? And so you're on the same Wi-Fi network or whatever is all these devices. And then, so if you're on the, the SecOps side, you've got decisions to make. Like, well, I've got this great security gateway, right? From who, whoever it is, right? You know, mm -hmm. hand checkpoint, Fortinet. There's lots of good ones out there, but you've got a trade-off, right? You can just, as an example, um, split tunneling, right? On a VPN, which means do, does every connection that a user make come through my corporate network, like regardless of what it's doing, or does only corporate traffic come in across the VPN and then everything else goes directly out to the internet. Well, uh, and you know, uh, you know, uh, sneak behind the scenes here as you and I were starting this conference, you know, we had some technical issues, right? And there were bandwidth issues and, and stuff like that getting started. Well, if you turn off split tunneling, that means everything that all of your home users do, whether they're watching a 4K movie on Netflix or whatever it is they're doing from their laptop, that's all going to come through your corporate gateway, right? And that's a huge, I mean, I don't know about you, but like my network connection at home is the same speed as our corporate gateway at the office, right? Right. And so like, I, you know, I can chew up a lot of bandwidth, you know, and, and, um, and so do you want, so now you know, maybe you're used to having, let's just say 10 remote users. Now you got 200 and they've all got really, you know, Google fiber or whatever at the house. And so that can be a huge bandwidth demand on your central gateway, even though it's in some ways more secure because you can do that security processing or you can turn on, uh, turn on split tunneling, which means that you lose insight into at least from a, a gateway perspective into what all those people are doing and you lose the ability maybe to filter some of their connections do url filtering or malware scanning or or whatever and so when you combine that with the fact that you know bad guys know oh now all these people are working from home and so if i do iot based attacks let's say i've got a better chance of being able to hop through and onto someone's corporate network you know they, they've got more motivation they're more likely to 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 get a payoff, right? Because what they're trying to do is get into your corporate. And so we, we've definitely seen a lot of, uh, we've definitely seen a lot of that. And that's one, another place where we can help people test is we can actually say, okay, from a lap, from a remote user laptop, um, can a kill chain sort of execute? You know, if a user goes to a phishing site, gets malware on their system, can it spread into your corporate network? That's one thing that they uh, mm -hmm. let you, you know, that, that we can let you do. And certainly on the monitoring side, you know, um, because that VPN concentrator may be very overloaded, there's a really, uh, that's a really good reason that you may want to do security processing, you know, intrusion uh, detection and things like that in separate devices, right? And so mm -hmm. that's somewhere where on the visibility and monitoring side, we can help you to, you know, load balance across multiple visibility and inspection tools mm -hmm. and, and things like that, right? And uh, so there, there's, it, this has certainly changed the kind of security and IT operations and security operations landscape. Uh, absolutely. And the, those, those are just, you know, some of the examples. Yeah. So you, you hit it on the head. I mean, you mentioned a number of um, new attack vectors and threat signatures and in, in terms of uh, some of the phishing scams. 
and then you you got into a little bit about how there's they're able to test it. Are you seeing organizations change the way they test and monitor based on some of these new nuances happening? So on the testing side specifically, I will tell you that let's see where are we now? July six months ago, <laughs> I don't think I had ever had a specific conversation with you know an enterprise customer about certainly about security testing okay. for remote users right i mean but now there there are a few cases like very large customers where you know they would engage us to do remote access performance testing and stuff mm -hmm. like in a lab but like i said six months ago i don't think we had ever talked to anyone about testing an actual deployed uh, VPN concentrator, you know, that they have on site, uh, it had just never come up, yeah. right? I mean, it was just, oh yeah, we're like, it's fine. You know, we turned it on, it's fine. We're not worried about it. Uh, and th those thoughts of, well, if a remote user gets something on their laptop, uh, you know, wanna cry, whatever it is, can <laughs> that then spread, you know, wh whatever, like can that spread in into my network? And those conversations just, didn't come up yeah. that much, right? And so I think it has certainly elevated um, you know, that the awareness mm -hmm. of the importance of, you know, well, you don't know until you test, and this is a really important question, so maybe we need to, to know, right? Mm -hmm. And then your ability to, like the places that you now need to monitor are very different, right? right. And so you may really, you know, want to pay attention um, to, you know, for, for example, you may have only been really monitoring things at your sort of internet gateway uh, and not so paying so much attention to traffic in, coming in from remote users, right? And especially if those were coming in two different places, right? You, like uh, like we in our company, at my site, we've now deployed a separate, you know, firewall and VPN gateway just for kind of scalability. And so maybe you weren't really paying attention to that remote user traffic, but now it may be really important because if you get something spreading, something bad happening, you want to be able to go back and figure out, oh, you know, oh, identify very quickly, oh, this looks suspicious, or I need to cut off this user, or I need to tell them to take some action or something like that, right. and be able to reproduce, like, or, or understand what's happening sort of in real time. And so the, the places that you need to pay, you know, not much is going on on the inside of the network now, but that uh, remote user stuff that suddenly becomes very important. No, that's, that's a great point. It's funny you mentioned that data exfiltration is now much harder because there is so much more going in and out um, right. and knowing what, in different what places, right? Yeah, exactly. So Keysight's in a unique position to provide value on both the security and the performance side of customers network, as well as on the monitoring piece. What are you seeing in terms of uh, some best practices that your customers are looking to implement or leveraging? Right, so, and, and honestly, this has, I'd say that the, the sort of order of, of operations has been reversed in many cases from, <laughs> from what's op optimal because typically you, you say, okay, next year we're gonna have a, we've got a project to do this and so we're gonna test well, we're gonna do maybe vendor selection and that kind of stuff first which you would normally consider best practice in this pandemic, that's not happening, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I think that 
you know, the, the, so there's been a lot of sort of catch up where mm -hmm. the, the planning phase and the, like people are like, certainly, I mean, we, we talked to lots of customers who suddenly were running into remote access problems, bandwidth mm -hmm. problems and, and things mm -hmm. like that. But establishing a, a plan to test understand and then to remediate whether it's a security issue or a bandwidth issue or whatever and have very specific you know think about okay how am i going to do this and how am i going to do this in production right that's i guess one of the one of the changes that, that we're seeing now is whereas typically you would do a lot of pre-deployment testing kind of in a in a lab that may just not be possible now in part because of the the speed at which you've had to respond uh, and also because there's nobody in your lab, right? I mean, they, there, there really isn't. I mean, you can't, it's just much harder to go in and hook up cables, right? And so now there, there's, uh, there's a real need to test and measure and monitor things in a production setting while they're handling live traffic. And so that, that fundamentally changes the way that you sort of think about testing. And so whether it's changed windows or like for security testing, understanding ways to do like testing security efficacy and, and figuring out where your gaps are in a production network right. while it's handling live traffic, which is a very different thing than uh, process than, than like lab testing, mm -hmm. you know, establishing a plan and executing against that. And then being able to rapidly kind of address any, you know, kind of gaps that you identify changes that you need to make in as unintrusive manner as possible because you can no longer like what was a best practice a year ago just isn't now because yeah. it's simply not um, relevant so i think that has been one of the that's certainly been one of the big changes and that and on our side that's one of the things that we're now supporting you know we we had traditionally been focused on lab testing right i mean that, that was a lot of our stuff and now like with the vpn testing example that i gave i mean so now we have a service where we can say, sure, this point is at your deployed VPN gateway. We can tell you how many users it can support, what your, you know, what the performance is, all that before you know your your users call up and, and complain. Uh, we've got a new breach and attack simulation tool, threat simulator, that's designed to do security assessment of your deployed, you know, security stack, and say, oh, you know, you were able to stop this, this, this attack, but these two got through. And here's how you go fix those, right? And so that, that's, a, that's a big change, right? Because now you're having to, you don't have that lab environment, you don't have the easy access. So now you've got to make all these changes, understand how things are, are working, and then address changes in a production environment. So that, that's, that's, a, that's been a big change in the way that people think about sort of doing these things and, and a, a big change in what the best practice is. Well, and you bring up a, a great point there. I mean, your, your, your capability to provide that threat simulation, how is that helping customers in both the, the tool readiness or the infrastructure readiness, as well as the people readiness? Oh, yeah. So the, yeah, I guess we have been talking about the, the, the sort of the technology and product side uh, <laughs> right. a lot. But that's only, there's three Ps, right? There's you know, product, people, and process. Right. And, you know, one of the things that, um, I think we we found very much across the, the industry, you know, there's a, there's certainly a shortage of like skilled IT security people. Right. I mean, th this is no um, secret. Yeah. And going beyond that, most even like good security people often only see and, and sort of recognize a, an attack 
like looking at their sim or something when it's in the rear view mirror right when you're going back and doing forensics and saying oh oh that's what that was right uh and if you can do realistic simulations you know attack simulations on your production network with your production setup as configured so not what's ideal best case kind of in a lab but with the security policy that i have in place today do i have gaps do i have exposure do i have vulnerability and seeing okay if i get hit by xyz attack what does that look like mm -hmm. that's i mean that's a big deal because that if you've got the if your people understand and you can set up the processes to say okay if i see this and this and this then i want to uh like for setting up rules in your sim when do you trigger an alert right it, that's that's traditionally been a very hard thing to test right? right but if you can realistically like recreate an attack in your network like make it happen but safely then you can test okay is my sim alerting working do my people know how to do this this even happened like in our network um you know we when uh, we started beta testing like our new familiar product uh going back to the WannaCry uh, example right. you know we um you know, we were doing it. That was just one of the early, you know, kind of tests that, that we did. And uh, that spreads via SMB V1, right? And so you'll have a host and we'll do SMB V1 scans and find. And literally one of our security guys saw like the, the logs on the, on the uh, firewall and went, huh, I've seen that before. Right. And went and looked and sure enough, there was a, a lab system somewhere that you know that was infected now it would it fortunately like it hadn't spread anything but it was trying to do these smbv1 scans mm -hmm. uh fortunately it was an isolated you know network and so nothing was getting through but we have been seeing those v1 scans on that firewall okay. and so i said oh we need to go check that out and sure enough we had an actual like WannaCry or eternal blue infected like mm -hmm. host there on that there on that segment so that's a good example of where like seeing what an attack looks like can really help your people yeah. to understand, you know, this is what I need to be looking for and then set up the processes, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's sim programming or automation or whatever around that so that when something happens for real, they're, they're ready for it. Right. Well, and what's interesting too is, you know, we've been talking a lot about, um, you know, the traditional kind of enterprise corporate networks, what are your insights or what are you seeing as it relates to wireless deployments and technology specifically obviously a lot of the carriers are moving to 5g networks and and more advanced levels of wi-fi right uh right. beyond beyond ac right so what are you seeing on that side both on the security side and and the performance side yeah so well especially on the so the 5g area is of particular interest for us i mean he said we we do a lot on the the radio side certainly for for wi-fi we we have a we have a we have a lot going on there although a lot of the security testing has been um has been either kind of layer one or application layer but 5G is really, really interesting to us. You know, we've um, we've joined the uh, NCCOE. We're doing a lot of work, um, even at the kind of federal level. You know, because there's there's a big big push for you know basically the government to get involved in establishing security standards for 5G networks, both for 
you know, for, for testing, for deployment, for operations. And that's a, that's a particular interest to us. And Keysight's in a, a really unique spot there because we do everything from layer one, like from the RAN testing, uh, you know, handset emulation and cell tower testing and scalability and, and everything else on the, on the radio side right. up through application layer, right? And um, so, like, I'll, I'll give you an example, something that, that my team is spending a lot of time on. Um, one of the kind of great promises of 5G is better and more scalable support for uh, industrial IoT, OT okay, yeah. devices, right? With factory floor automation, critical infrastructure, things like that, right? And I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with the concept of like network slicing, right? Where you can allocate like a certain sort of chunk of the network that should be isolated, right? right. Should. I mean, and, uh, and so you can have different slices with different security requirements and latency and throughput requirements and yep. things like that. But if you're going to, but remember, this is all virtual. It's not like you have a ded dedicated piece of, you know, hardware kit that supports this slice and then one for this slice. And so this is all virtual, right? So yeah. this is all VNF. So you have to be able to test that, right? Everything from like kind of security leakage or sort of crosstalk, like can, can data get from one slice to another in an inappropriate way, right? That's a really interesting kind of opportunity for testing, for setting standards, for establishing like ways to monitor. Like how do you do that monitor? Again, when everything's virtualized, how do you do that monitoring in a pure VNF uh, scenario and monitor and understand the difference between like these slices and how do you, how do you uh, pay attention to those? There's a, a really interesting opportunity in um, uh, 5G standalone network testing, you know, the okay. 5GSA stand, and the, the standards for that are still evolving. But what it basically means is that a um, you can set up a 5G network, sort of the way that we you know set up Wi-Fi networks today that may be connected to the internet. So you, you'll be able to set up your own 5G network. It could be in a building or on a factory floor or it could be for traffic management systems in a city, something like that. But that, and so that may be operated by a different entity than what we traditionally think of as a service provider. But it, that, that standalone 5G network is still going to be connected to kind of the greater 5G world, right? And right. use the same, you know, uh, may use the same uh, radio spectrum, right? It may, mm -hmm. well, there's some are millimeter waves, so there, there's some different, you know, spectrums in play, but it's going to be interconnected. So there's a lot of thought about <clears throat> the, like the gateway devices and how do you build those in a secure fashion? How do you test those? How do you manage those? And it becomes one of the reasons that that's really important. If you think about things like um, uh, autonomous vehicles, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, clip, collision avoidance systems, things like that, right? So a lot of that is going to rely on, you know, processing that's not just in the devices, but you'll right. have like some some things that look, oh, this car is coming this way, this car, so I need to send these two guys an alert and like this guy needs to stop, right? That won't just be in the cars, that will be, but you don't want to backhaul all of that stuff to the cloud, right? So we're expecting to see the emergence of more sort of localized application specific processing. Okay. For for things like that, right? So you're not you're not going you know all the way across the country or whatever to some right. cloud. You're going to have some of that processing is is, is going to be local just because it needs to be very low latency. But that means if you're doing monitoring uh, for that application, if you're doing testing, you really have to understand the specific protocols that are in uh, they're in use, right? To make sure that your 
that what you're monitoring, it's not just is, you know, are the bits flowing, but that particular OT protocol, can I understand it? Can I look for things going wrong? Can, because if a bad guy wanted to immobilize a city, right. they could convince that processing system that, oh, all these cars are going to crash into each other. So send a message out to all these cars that tells them all to stop for instance, right? right. Uh, you, can, you can stop the city. And so that requires a lot of kind of, um, that requires very broad spectrum, pardon the pun, uh, understanding <laughs> of how to both test and monitor right. because it's not enough just to do the radio level, right? You've got to have radio all the way up through very, very specific, like application specific application. Yep. testing and monitoring. And so that's a, we're, I can't think of anyone else certainly who has, that range mm-hmm. of you know kind of test and monitor capability layer one through uh, through seven yeah no it's a huge differentiator so Scott what's one thing you'd recommend to our listeners to look out for or really think about over the next six to eighteen months um, in terms of technology shift uh, adoption you know security if you're to say that I'm that forecaster, what's that one thing that everybody should be paying attention to? Well, like it, it's not, um, see if there's one. So <laughs> I, I think that, and I mean, this, this isn't anything radical, but especially given the, given the reality that I think we're going to be remote, right. And, and probably for a while and who knows, you know, how much of this is kind of permanent, you know, uh, Automation is going to be really important, uh, but automation doesn't take and because because automation doesn't take the place of, of people, right? Automation is there to help people because ultimately, whether you're in oper- you know performance management, security, whatever, most of the decisions, most of the kind of the, the programming, the allocation of resource, whatever, is going to be made by people. People need better decision support tools. You need better tools to rapidly spot an attack, right? You need tools to rapidly understand, oh, something's going wrong. This person's having terrible performance with their voice over IP. This person has, you know, an inordinate amount of traffic that's coming into the VPN. You want to be able to, to, to rapidly spot those things. So you really need, like, this is the ideal application now for like machine learning, right? Mm-hmm. Is calling through, you know, lots and lots and lots of, of data and extracting what's important and getting that in front of a user. So the only way that, you know, I think it, it's really feasible to think about kind of scaling up our operational capacity is through improved automation, but don't ever expect you know, that automation to kind of do everything for you. Right. Its role is really to get important information to people so that they can make the decisions without being sort of flooded by noise. So understanding, you know, SOAR, like, what are you, think about what are you doing about SOAR? What are you doing about like orchestration? Right. How is like, how do you close the loop on, we found something, we think we fixed it. How do we test to make sure it's really fixed and how do we look through it? For right. Everything? Tremendous insight, Scott. Thank you so much for joining, sharing your expertise in how to better test and secure networks. We'd ask our listeners to tune in next time for another edition of the Endace Packet Forensic Files. 
For more information about Endace's network packet capture platform and our integrations with our fusion technology partners, such as Keysight, please go to endace.com. Scott, thanks again for joining. Thanks for taking some time. My pleasure. All right. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you soon.